Welcome to Modern Marketing Messages, the leading podcast discussing the latest and greatest in both online and offline marketing tactics, strategies, and trends. I'm your host, Taylor Karg, marketing content writer at AmericanEagle.com. Today, we're going to talk about website redesign. Websites are meant to be fluid. As technology and business processes continue to evolve, your website should evolve along with it. If it doesn't, it may actually be hurting your business. This brings us right into today's topic, as well as begs the question, how do you know it's time for a website redesign? And to answer that question, I have here with me Mike Golliber, Vice President of Client Engagement at AmericanEagle.com. Mike, thanks for being here today and talking to us about it. Do you want to just introduce yourself a little bit, kind of your experience in the industry, how long you've worked at AmericanEagle.com and everything that you do here for us? Sure, I'd be happy to. Thanks for having me, by the way. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, I have been in the website redesign technology digital space for the last 16, 17 years now. I originally started back in uh, grad school with a human factors degree. So I started as a user experience professional. I was going to say, what does that even yeah, mean? <laughs> well, yeah, human factors at the time was a little bit more engineering based. So okay. it was more about how to design systems for people that fit people, both from a physical ergonomic perspective, but then also from a cognitive perspective in terms of what people are expecting, what their motivations are, and being able to design systems to meet that. And one of the great examples that I usually use is a cockpit in a fighter jet or even in an airplane. There's buttons and knobs and switches everywhere and you know especially in a fighter cockpit scenario if those buttons are too far away you're in trouble yeah being able to make sure that all those things are in the right spot and that cognitively i know where to look for certain things so did that for quite a long time many years in the consulting industry as well and then over time i started getting more into project management and more business side and so probably for the last almost seven eight years or so i've been focused on helping my clients across numerous different industries figure out how to sort of apply those same principles to how to make their sites better, how to make their experiences with their users and their customers better. And so that's a big part of what I do today. And so part of that is a sales perspective and helping you know new clients come on board so that we can help work together and be partners with them. But it also means existing clients and sort of looking more towards the future and understanding kind of where we need to get to together yeah. to help their business grow. And how long have you been at AmericanEagle.com? Uh, so I've been at American Eagle a little bit over a year now. Oh, so like a year yeah, and a quarter. Pretty uh, fresh. Yeah, pretty new. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's been great. Uh, If I remember correctly, were you one of our clients at some point or you had worked with a company that was a client? I have worked with a couple of different of our clients with my previous organization. So that's uh, funny how that happens. There's there's quite a few people that have known about our company for a long time and eventually come here. And the best part is I've driven past here for years and (laughs) seen it every day for many, many years. So just going into right into today's topic, I think we need to start off with just letting people know kind of what exactly we're talking about when we talk about website redesign. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to redesign your website? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the ways that I equate it is, for some reason, I always go back to building a house or having a house, right? Because there's foundational stuff and decorations and things like that. But if you think about sort of maintaining your house, right, it needs a new paint job every so often. It needs cleaning. It needs all sorts of different things. Website's no different in that respect, in that it needs to be properly monitored and maintained and If you let your siding on your house sit for 10 years, it's going to start to degrade and 
you know, A, it's going to look bad, but B, it's going to start letting water in, things like that. And from a website perspective, it's very similar in that if you're not kind of keeping on top of it and making sure that it's operating properly, you're going to lose things like leads, you're going to lose conversions, you're going to lose all sorts of different experiences that your potential customers could have with your site. And that could range anything from can't find the latest article that you guys posted, whatever that might be, to not being able to buy that widget or whatever that is that you're trying to sell. And so a big part of that is the analytics side of it and keeping track of who's using what and where they're going and yeah. how they convert. I mean, we can talk about that all day, but the redesign aspect of it really, there's two ways to think about it. One is a window dressing kind of way, mm -hmm. right? So it doesn't look good anymore, right? Yeah. After five, 10 years, whatever. Which I was going to say, I feel like mm -hmm. a lot of people who aren't, you know, extremely knowledgeable in the web design and development space, when they think of a website redesign, they probably think of, you know, just changing the graphics or like changing mm -hmm. out the color. Yeah. And it's, as you get more into it, you're like, hey, it's so much more than just the colors. And yeah, the colors and the graphics do play a part in it, but it's so much more than that. Right. And it could be as simple as, you know, every couple of years, you know, if you, especially if you go through a branding change, yeah. right. Or mm -hmm. if your business acquires a new entity, right. And you merge with someone else or you add a new product, suite of products or something like that, you may want to go through and kind of update just the colors and the graphics and things like that. Yeah. And that's something that you probably should do, right? Especially yeah. if you're trying to reposition yourself as a business. But it's also, you know, potentially a lot more than that. So it can get down into, you know, redesign is such a kind of a, a loaded term. Um, yeah. Because it can get into things like replatforming and using different systems and things like that. Yeah. And it really just depends on, from a business perspective, what your goals are, but then also, you know, what your customers are really needing and finding that balance, right? Sometimes, you know, the underlying systems that you use to publish content or display different messaging or hook into social media aspects, sometimes that underlying system has either stagnated or it just wasn't ever properly used yeah. to the best of its ability. And so you need to take a deeper look at, you know, going back to the house example, like how is your foundation? Yeah. Right? Is it starting to crack? Do you need to fix that first? And I feel like one question that a lot of people would have is, and it's a very hard question to answer when we're talking about this topic because it's like, okay, so what is even the purpose of doing a website redesign? But it's like you said, it's just a case-by-case -case basis and there could be so many underlying issues of how to even go about kicking off that process. And it's funny because I've had numerous clients come and say, our system doesn't work and we can't publish content quickly and it's hard. Sometimes they're absolutely right. <laughs> and yeah. Sometimes they're absolutely not. Sometimes it's, hey, you know, the last person that installed your CMS and, and built it out for you didn't do it properly. And there's a couple of fixes we can make and you can now publish content on the fly. Sometimes there is underlying issues and problems or even more likely is that system that you bought five, 10 years yeah. ago that you wanted to use now is very outdated. It doesn't work anymore. And so there's a much larger effort kind of underlying effort to get you back onto a platform that can help you do all the things that you want to do from a marketing and a business perspective. Yeah. And so one of the questions, I mean, because we are modern marketing messages, in your experience, how does the average marketer know? Let's not get into the nitty gritty of how like a designer, a developer, or a front end developer would know, but how does mm -hmm. myself as the average marketer, how would I know looking at our website? How do I figure that out? Right. One answer to that is time. Right. So if it's been five years or longer since you've done anything with your site, it's probably time to, yeah. to at least take a look at it and figure out what can you do to improve. The other is competitive assessment. Right. So look at who do you compete with? What are they doing? Are they doing things that you want to be doing? And it's less about design. It's more about that sort of customer experience and that user flow. 
through the system, through, you know, getting to whatever your end goal is, whether that's, you know, selling curtain rods or, you know, selling marketing capabilities Mm -hmm. or whatever product it is that you're offering. So doing that competitive assessment is really important. But the other thing to keep in mind is it's not just your direct competitors. It's all of the the entirety of the Internet. Right. So it's, you know, people love going to Apple. People love going to Airbnb. Uber, for example, is one of the best examples of user experience and design ever because it's almost kind of idiot proof. Right. Like you (laughs) need a car. I click a button. Car comes. I get in. Yeah. Yeah. So all of those things, those are, you know, that's truly customer expectation today. Yeah. regardless of what you're selling and what you're doing. So you need to be on par with at least that, right? And being able to provide that sort of experience, that sort of wow moment where someone goes, wow, this was easy. If you can get to that point, you're going to do just fine, right? And then there's levers and different things that you can do from an analytics perspective and kind of tweaking how people move through your system, whether that's navigation, whether that's you know calls to action. So really just taking a hard look at your site and even pulling it up next to a bunch of other sites. Yeah. And saying, does this feel good enough to represent my brand, represent what we're trying to market? If the answer is no to that, then you need some help, right? And sometimes it is as simple as let's do a, you know, a refresh, right? And new imagery, new wording, new color schemes, that kind of thing, kind of a rebranding. Sometimes it's a lot harder than that and you got to dig down and, and talk about foundations and yeah. things like that. Are there any other things that you can think of right now, like off the cuff of why people would need to do a redesign? And we talked a lot about the user experience, just comparing yourself to other brands. If you're having foundational issues, can we talk about some of the most popular, you know, foundational issues you see? Sure. I mean, I think the one of the quick answers to the first part of your question is really looking at if you have analytics on your site. Which you should. If you don't, you should. Um, (laughs) Because that gives you really good insight into where people are dropping off, where people stop. What kind of analytics do you think people should be paying attention to? Well, it really comes down to what you're selling, right? So if you are a, you know, sort of people to people business and you, you know, it's more of a, I don't want to say consulting, but, you know, it's a support business, services Mm -hmm. business. You're really looking at lead generation at the top end of the funnel, right? And then you're looking at overtime conversions, right? And so what does that conversion mean to your business? Sometimes it's a phone call, sometimes it's a contact, sometimes it's filling out a form and essentially signing a contract on the site. If your business is more product-based or, you know, commerce-based, then obviously conversion is someone bought something, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So, but using analytics to look at those things and seeing over time, you know, have sales gone down? Have they gone up? What products have gone up? What have gone down? And why? And you can kind of glean that stuff out of analytics to understand maybe there is some other issue there that you're not you don't know about right because you're not sitting there all day watching analytics some people do but yeah <laughs> um but as long as you're keeping an eye on it and you can start to see trends over time right you'll see yeah. you know depending on what you're selling you'll see big spike during the super bowl okay well let's be prepared for that and let's make sure we're optimized for that typically commerce side especially in the holiday season towards the end of the year that will ramp up a lot mm-hmm. um so is it ramping up as high as it did last year if it's not why yeah um So that's just kind of the first part of the answer. And sometimes it's, you know, to get to the second part of your question is foundational. Foundational. Some of those things that you'll see through analytics can't be fixed with design, Mm -hmm. right? It's something underlying. You're not able to properly market your products. You're not able to properly integrate with social media channels or other marketing platforms to help you run your business successfully online. So that is where we would, you know, at AmericanEagle.com, we would really kind of dig a little deeper and say, okay, is this the right platform for you? Is Mm -hmm. it the right foundation? 
can we fix that platform or do we need a refresh? One of the other things that I've seen numerous times, especially in the marketing side of the house, is you know, a new CMO will come on board. They will have a specific product or a specific vendor that they really like from before. And you know, you could be on product, I'm not gonna go products here, but yeah. you could be on product X and new CMO comes on board and says, nope, we're going to product Y. And as long as it matches and fits the you know, business objectives and goals, mm -hmm no problem yeah. right but then it's you know you're still doing a heavy lift at that point yeah. so and i think a lot in just in my experience in writing about a lot of case studies on different projects i think a lot of people too when it comes to redesign or like a replatform and the foundational issues is their cms Mm -hmm. I can't yep. even tell you how many case studies I've written about projects where people like the marketers have no clue why their CMS is not working the way they want it to. They can't Correct. connect content. They yep. can't even easily upload and edit content, too. And I think that's a huge part of why people would need to go under a redesign. Yeah, no, that's 100 percent right. And that, that gets back down to how deep does the problem go? Yeah. Right? Almost all of the modern CMSs can do all of those things that you just talked about, yeah. right? Like quickly edit content, quickly publish content. They all have, you know, slightly different ways of doing it, but all of that can be done. Yeah. If it's not implemented properly the first time through the, you know, first time it's implemented, yeah. you can run into problems like that where from a marketer's perspective, it doesn't seem like it's working right. And it could be a very easy fix. It could be literally a checkbox in an admin somewhere where yeah. you uncheck that box and now I can, oh, this is great. I can publish it easily. I was going to say, like, yeah. how do you know if it was implemented or not correctly or mm -hmm. not? Like, I would assume, you know, by getting down in the nitty gritty, you can tell by the coding or the box. But right. do you find that's the case? Frequently, is that just there's a few minor things that need to be checked or updated, and then they're like, oh, wow, this is so much easier. Yeah, I wouldn't say frequently by any means, but it does happen. Yeah. And unfortunately, it happens when you are going about a new CMS implementation, and you tend to be more cognizant of cost than actual platform implementation, right? Yeah. And that's a, the long way of saying you get cheap about it, right? Yeah. Um, like WordPress is a great example, right? Essentially the base version of WordPress free. Yeah. But if you don't install it correctly, if you don't hook it up the right way, and I'm not a developer, which is why I say things like hook it up the yeah. right way. Um, <laughs> oh, that's not the lingo they I, use? Maybe. I don't know. It's Yeah, it's not part. That's not my world. <laughs> um, but if it's not implemented properly, you can run into problems. I would say not frequently does that happen because typically most, in this case, it's really, you know, you need an agency or some sort of group or or your internal, you know, development team to be able to do that properly. As a traditional general marketer, you're probably not going to know <laughs> one way yeah. or the other whether it's actually done right or not. Yeah. Um, you're relying on either your team or an agency or something like that to do that work for you. But you will know when it's not working the way you want it to. And I'm not able to accomplish my goals in a given day because of the limitations, right? Yeah. And the key there is finding the right group of people to come in and help you and find what are those limitations. And so it goes back to the foundational part. Is it a limitation of the system? Is it a limitation of your knowledge of that system? Which that, that does happen, right? Yeah. You're not trained enough on a specific system, especially when you get into some of the larger CMS platforms. They're more complicated, Yeah, right? they have a ton of different capabilities. Yep, yeah. yep, and there's you know numerous certifications that people can get to figure out how to you know how to use it the most effective how way. How to check that box how that none of us can right. find. That's right, exactly. <laughs> so that tends to happen more often than you know it wasn't built properly. Yeah. But, but both happen. Where does A-B testing fit in all mm. of this? Do you suggest that to clients, you know, as they're going through this process? A hundred percent. Every time. Yeah. When you think about doing a straight redesign, right? I'm going to redesign the flows. I'm going to redesign, you know, the way those pages are structured, how to get to things. 
Amazon, for instance, has been doing incredible amounts of A-B testing for their entire existence. Yeah. And for them, it matters, you know, one one hundredth of a percent change one way or the other is multi-millions of dollars, right? But if you can, you know, the simple example is, you know, changing the add to cart instead of add to cart, it's add to bag, right? Like simple things like that. You can run these A-B tests and within a week, two weeks, depending on however long you want to look at it, you will find very quickly which one works better. You know, the more that you can invest in A-B testing, the better. Is typically. it an expensive kind of thing? Is it, or is that relatively inexpensive compared to you know everything else in the um, process of a redesign? I hate to use this phrase again, but it depends. Yeah. <laughs> um, you I know, mean, this whole thing, all of this is very on is a case depends. by case yeah. basis. Yep, so. totally. You know, if you're running thousands of A/B tests, yeah, it gets expensive, right? Because you're you've got a lot of people looking at yeah. this, and you've got development teams making shifts and, and changing pages on any given day. But you can very easily do simple A/B testing. There's also multivariate testing, all sorts of other different methods that you can use. But simple A-B tests just in terms of, you know, if you're struggling to figure out what tagline is working, right? You run it for a week and see what kind of flow through that space of the website you get. Change it the next week and see what kind of flow you get there. The one caution there is that if you only look at it for two days and then you compare it to something else for two days, your sample size probably isn't large enough to really see which one's working. Yeah, to make the most efficient decision. So so you really do have to kind of think about duration and and what's meaningful data to you. And that's why I would say yes to A-B testing, but also, you know, having someone on your team that's more, I was going to say like a data scientist, but I don't think you have to go that far, but someone who is just well in tuned with both the analytics and the testing results and, and figuring out and kind of, you know, moving those levers in a way that can help gain business. I will say one more thing, though. The A-B testing part really does come after the design, the redesign part. Yeah. You can think about A-B testing while you're doing a redesign and thinking about, you know, if, especially if internally you're struggling to figure out, you know, where to put certain things. But really that user experience professional and design professional that you have up front needs to be able to answer 80, 90 percent of those yeah. questions. Right. And mm-hmm. then you have the 10 to 20 percent at the end that you're, you know, on the fence about or, you know, you have a CEO that says, oh, no, I, I want this here. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know if that's the right idea. But that's when you get into A-B testing and literally 99 percent of the world, when you put data in front of them and say this one won and this one didn't. And it's a wide margin. It's going to make 99 percent of the time. Yeah. They're going to go, OK, I get it. Yeah. One thing that I really wanted to talk about, and I think that this entire topic is very like semantics based, you know, because it's. Mm-hmm. So what is, you know, a redesign versus a rebuild? And then we were throwing around replatform, refresh. What does all this mean? Like what is a rebuild versus a redesign? So a rebuild really is talking about that, you know, foundation platform that we were talking about. So that really is starting from the ground up. Okay. Um, And redesign, refresh is a little bit more on the front end, the look, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, It's easy enough to kind of mix all of them together. But at the end of the day, it's what are you trying to change and why? And then how are you going to change it? So the and that's what we were kind of a little bit talking about before of, you know, I've had clients come and say, well, I need an entire new system. And the answer is, well, you don't actually need a new system. Your system's great. You just need a redesign. You just need a better front end layer to that. It's like someone, again, back to the house who says, oh, I hate my house. I need a new house. And I actually went through this a couple of years ago where it's like, oh, our kitchen stinks. I hate this thing redid the kitchen, right? Instead of selling the house and moving into a brand new house. So it's small incremental things that you can do to make it feel right. What I think is much harder to say is what feels right. right? And that really depends on, you know, both from an aesthetic perspective in terms of what the design looks like, but then also 
back to those, you know, customer journeys, user journeys, user flows, all the paths through the system, like, does that feel right for your customers? And I think that's the thing that gets lost in sort of the redesign conversation is, you know, if you go through a complete branding change of, with your business, sure, yep, you got to do redesign. At the very least, you got to put new logos up, right? Yeah. Or whatever it is. But really, at the end of the day, it comes down to your customers, your users, the people that are interacting with your brand. If they are happy and they're doing great, how can you make them happier and how can they do even greater? If they are not happy with your brand, they are not happy with the experience, how can you fix that? So all of those things are moving the needle towards the ideal experience because the ideal experience for your customers always 100% of the time yields you more money, more leads, yeah. more growth, whatever that is for your mm -hmm. business. Redesign's a lot more customer focused. Like you just said, it's kind of just you need to keep the customer in mind throughout this entire process. And it's all about what exactly does the customer want from us. So another one of the questions I had was just, you know, going through the redesign process, how long does that typically take? And I know that's a little bit of a loaded question okay. as each customer and each need base is a lot different, but I think there's some, you know, generalities that we could talk about with that. Yeah, for sure. It does, of course it depends, but the biggest part that depends is the theme of our yeah, podcast right, today right. it depends it dep it's semantic <laughs> it's and it depends yeah <laughs> uh, um, it depends on the scale of the site that you're redesigning a few page marketing brochure style site very quick all in a couple months something yeah. like that if you have significant e-commerce capabilities and, and lots of functionality and things like that, it will definitely take longer. And the reason for that is obviously there's more stuff, but there's also more upfront thinking that needs to happen. So conducting a redesign exercise isn't, oh, I don't like it, so I'm going to make it look better, right? It's And it goes back to your comments about, you know, customer experience and putting the yeah. customer first. You know, what we typically do is essentially what's a discovery phase. Okay. And that is kind of assessing everything. And it's a lot of what we've talked about already, but it's assessing the look, the feel, journey maps, let's say user journeys to okay. make it kind of holistic. Yeah. And we will also look at the underlying system and the platform and the foundation that we we're talking about to sort of see, get an assessment of where are you at? And then in parallel to that is understanding your business objectives, your goals, your desires. What are your three, five year plans for the business? How are you trying to scale that business up? Or are you trying to maintain? Are you trying to catch up to competitors? Are you trying to squash competitors? You know, kind of all of those different things all come together, which then lead us into a roadmap essentially of how we're going to get there. And that really comes through the typical process of user experience work, which is wireframing and sort of mapping out the information architecture of the site. So where your navigation is, what are all the components there and doing all of this through a lens of the customer, right? And typically there'll be multiple types of customers that you want to account for in yeah. that process, yeah. right? So those are what we call personas usually have a lot of different names, but you want to make sure that all of that is accounted for when you're doing the design work upfront. We're doing that also in parallel with the development team. So especially over the last three to five years, everyone's been talking about agile, agile, agile. Yeah, that is definitely um, a massive buzzword right It is. Now. <laughs> um, but what's even better now is sort of creating these design systems. So, design systems. So you're kind of designing, you're thinking about it holistically, but then you're designing individual components out with your development team at the same time. So you're working in those agile sprints, but you're doing it together. In the old days, the waterfall days was, I created this beautiful design and you throw it over the wall and say, go build this thing. It's going to be great. And they go, I don't know what this is. 
notes. Yeah, <laughs> read all of my <laughs> handwritten notes and right. build this website based right. off of them. <laughs> and they say, well, I can't do these 15 things because we didn't talk about it. So yeah. those days are gone. But there's a really nice way of being able to sort of tweak and improve the experience as we go through. Because all the developers I've ever worked with have really great ideas, too, from a user experience perspective. Because everyone can put on their user experience hat right? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and put themselves in the shoes of those personas or of those customers that are going to be using that site. So kind of circle back to your question, that process, that's the one that it depends, right? It depends on how much stuff there is to build, design, and how long that can take. Depending on the size, we typically kind of, you know, all in for a very large site with lots of functionality and e-commerce capabilities, all that stuff is a year-ish. Yeah. Typically. Mm -hmm. But we've done numerous things where you can speed that up quite a bit to get you know minimally viable product out the door for a certain event, right? Because we could start a project in, let's say, June, and we need something out by October because Christmas is coming, right? Yeah. So there's ways around that, and you kind of phase out some of those executables, right, so that you get something out by October, November for the holiday season, and then you do, here's another one of those rewords, a refresh or an <laughs> update to the thing that you've already done so that you can continue to sort of meet all the requirements over time. And then from a dollar and cents perspective, that's the one I, I there's no way I could tell you that. Yeah, right? I um, mean, it just, like it you said, really it varies yep. just depending on the yep. needs of the project. And it will depend very much on who you hire or who you have internally to build it. And yeah. to, well, to do, design it and to build it. Yeah. You know, there are some agencies out there that'll do it basically almost for free because they need the portfolio and that kind of stuff. And then there's, you know, the big top big four agencies where it's hundreds of dollars an hour and, you know, multiply that over a year. Yeah. There's your number. Quite a big chunk of change. (laughs) It's a big chunk of change. Yeah. (laughs) We kind of touched upon that in your entire answer right there, but who is Mm -hmm. typically involved in the process? So there's obviously developers, but kind of who else is in this process? Yeah. So there's always a project manager right? To kind of oversee everything and make sure everything's functioning and operating and moving forward and meeting our deliverables and deadlines and milestones. Are they the ones that are like most um, in communication with the customer? They kind of are the liaison between the two sides. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So they're the ones that are really keeping the customer up to date, making sure that all their feedbacks coming through. They're kind of the, you know, the air traffic controller of the entire thing. And then on the consultancy side, if you will, there can be any number of different roles involved, but typically there's a user experience professional who is worrying about the wireframes and the personas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's visual designer, and there's a, a hundred different names for graphic artists, visual yeah. designers, experience creative. Design, yeah. yeah, Experience design kind of rolls all that together. And then depending on the breadth and the scope of the individual project, you could have content folks, right, that are focused on the actual content in terms of tone of voice, you know, how to create content, how to assess the current content that's there. And that's anything from press releases, news articles, things like that. But then also just kind of how are you conveying the message to those customers, right? And where are those spots where you're going to see some more conversions and how can we put the right content in the right places? And then, of course, there's, you know, the entire development side and staying a little high level here. Yeah, yeah, definitely high level. Yep. You know, then you have your different levels of development that you need in order to implement, depending on what that system is. And if we go back to our, our what I keep calling in my head anyway, the re-conversation, redesign, replatform, rebuild. <laughs> if you're using the existing platform and you're just kind of doing a, a visual design, user flow redesign, then you're going to have specific types of people that already know that platform typically. And if you're kind of doing that rebuild 
or re-platform yeah. perspective, then you're going to bring in developers, especially that yeah. know that new platform. Mm -hmm. And then there's things like content migration and all sorts of other things that we, yeah. <laughs> we could yeah. you know, this, talk this about a, this forever. This a podcast yeah. on its own, but yeah. <laughs> so, and this is another hashtag, it depends question, mm -hmm. but in your experience, you know, what sorts of challenges have come about that you've seen through the entire redesign process? Like, are there a few that kind of just stick out in your mind? You're like, yeah, these are more bound to happen than mm -hmm. some other challenges. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two or three kind of big ones. So the first would be the old kind of too many cooks in the kitchen. So you have too many people with too many opinions yeah. that are looking for what they want specifically and not as concerned about sort of what the customer needs. So yeah. if you have a strong team of user experience people that can really push that narrative of, you know, and, I, and what I always tell all my clients is the reason we do personas, and there's numerous of them, but what I love doing is putting up the personas after they've kind of all been locked in and everybody's agreed. You put them up on a wall and any design decision or any decision you make moving forward, if it doesn't fit for one of those people, then we should not be doing it. Sometimes you're going to have to, but, yeah. you know, that's a, it's a nice kind of guide pole to yeah. kind of keep everyone in line in a little mm -hmm. bit to, to try to keep as many cooks out of the kitchen as you can. The second one would probably be the old scope creep concept, right, of, you know, as you're in the middle of doing a redesign or doing any of this work, oh, well, now we need to be able to do this, right, and whatever that this is can get expensive and costly and mess things up that have already yeah. been done. Mm -hmm. And so that's why part of one of the things that we do up front, one of the roles that I didn't mention before is like a business analyst to really kind of define all the requirements, create that backlog for the development team so everyone can check off all the boxes. Here's what uh, yeah. we are building, here's yeah. why. And you go through that entire list. I don't know ever a project that I've ever been on that doesn't have some level of scope creep because there's always, oh, we forgot about this, yeah. right? There's this yeah. other system that we use that we have to integrate with. Okay, now yeah. we'll figure that out. Well, there's such like large processes and time consuming. There's so much involved that it makes sense that some things would kind of like fly under the cracks, you know? And yeah. and that's what that business analyst is there to do and tell yeah. you, oh guys, we totally forgot that we need to do this thing. Because right. I know that happens to me just on a daily basis, oh, yeah. things that yeah. I forget to do, so. That's why there's a, a million to-do apps out there, right? <laughs> and track your list of stuff to do, but. No, and oftentimes it comes from the client where the two different flavors of scope group are, oh, we forgot about this system. We never told you about it, so, but now we, we have to account for it. And the other is, oh, you know, something like, you know, the CEO says we need to be able to do this and you have to figure out how to do it. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so there's conversations that we have along that and try to figure that out. So recently, you know, it's all the talk that there's a massive shift to just a mobile first mentality. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a cell phone. We know that that's never going to change. So where does mobile and this mobile first mentality fit in with website redesign? Yeah, I don't ever use that phrase anymore because mobile is just part of the experience. Yeah. The mobile first shift was really meant because five, eight, probably eight-ish years ago, people would go through a re redesign exercise and they wouldn't consider mobile at all, right? And here's your new desktop platform and you look at it on your phone and it looks like garbage, yeah. right? So that was really the shift towards, hey, you guys need to be thinking about this while you do this work. Those days are kind of gone now in that Everything is responsive across devices. So, oh, cool. so you're okay. well, you still have to build it in that yeah. way, but it's not an afterthought anymore. It's part of the process. It's making sure that you design for those breakpoints so that you are able to adjust for any different device because we're also getting to a place now where the devices really aren't getting any smaller. Right now, yeah, they might. Um, it's <laughs> the definitely iPhone possible. The iPhone 13 is this big. Yeah, it's a monster. 
But tablet usage has grown tremendously. Yeah. And oftentimes, you know, probably three, four years ago, you would see, oh, the desktop looks fine there. Mm-hmm. But actually it doesn't, right? Because yeah. that's a new breakpoint, especially for some of the larger iPads. You can do a lot of good stuff in there, scaled down a little bit from a desktop view. I don't anticipate desktop really ever going anywhere necessarily. Yeah. But those numbers will continue to shift more towards mobile. mobile. So it's really, it's less about mobile first than it is about device. Like it's yeah. it's all part of the design process now. And oftentimes we will still kind of design at that desktop level first for right or for wrong. But we'll do that first because it's a lot easier to convey what we're trying to get across to different clients when you can see it full. Yeah. Right. Instead of it sit, on a sitting smaller on screen. Yeah. Now that said, oftentimes you will want to lead with showing clients mobile first. Right. Like you want to show it to them and say, OK, everything's in here. Trust me. Yeah. And watch hit this hamburger menu, whatever. And you'll see all the stuff in there. But from a desktop perspective, you know, it, it helps clients understand sort of the rationale and the thinking behind where you're trying to get to with that design. I was reading an article the other day, a blog post that HubSpot had sent over and it was something like three in five people first access a website via their mobile device. So yeah, that it, it seems just, right. Like, yeah. it just makes sense, you know, and it's crazy to think that because mobile first is kind of like a buzzword and mm-hmm. it still is. And I think it will be for a little while yeah, until yeah. mainly marketers kind of hop on that train. of yeah. It's not just a mobile first mentality anymore. It's like plus mobile, you know. <laughs> right. Well, and it's you've actually seen quite a bit of that, you know, and, and even if you think about, you know, there was the sort of Alexa Google, the different voice assistants, essentially, right? Like, so about three, four years ago, all the advertisements that you saw on TV during the Super Bowl, they were playing off of that, right? Yeah. Not all of them, but they were kind of playing with that. And they would say things like, Alexa, do this. And then all of a sudden, your Alexa would start playing whatever their brand is. So it really is, if you think about it, people, I think you're right, because the divide was always, and this was probably about five or six years ago, give or take, where mobile overtook desktop. I don't think it's ever going to go back because if you think about if you're sitting on your couch and you're watching some show and a commercial comes on, it's like, oh, what's that website? Oh, boom. You know, you're going to pull out your phone. We all have our phone right next to us. It's either in your hand or it's next to you. Right. You're not going to get up and go up into your office and start (laughs) typing things in. Right. So that's just going to continue to evolve. Um, There's there's a lot of and this is definitely a topic for another podcast. But all the ARVR stuff that's happening now, you know the phone is kind of going to go away a little bit too, right? Because you're just going to be immersed in these experiences. You're going to be able to do things through your TV, things like that. It's exciting. It's just, it's, it's another thing to think about from a marketing perspective though, as we go forward and keep your eye on it. Definitely. So just going back to the redesign, rebuild kind of stuff, where does digital marketing fall into this? Digital marketing is a huge thing. It's a big thing, you know, that we even do here at our company. Where does it fall within the redesign realm? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a critical part and we haven't mentioned it yet, but it really is. It's weird because it's another arm of the same concept, right? Yeah. So as part of that discovery phase that I was talking about, you really want to get in and look at what your digital marketing is today, right? Because you, you need to think about all the things that we've been talking about this entire episode is getting people into your site, getting them through, converting them, you know, gaining the leads, all that. The leads part of it is through digital marketing. Yeah. So how well are you doing that? Is it successful? Can you increase that? Is there better things that you can do? And that feeds that funnel. But when you feed that funnel, that has to tie into the design that you're looking at on the site, right? Mm -hmm. So great social media presence. That's awesome. Yeah. What what happens when they get to the site? Yeah. Getting a whole bunch of people to click on that link inside that social media post is a wonderful thing. 
but then they get to your site and they go meh and they close it and go away it's not successful in any way so doing that and then really looking at you know all the different email marketing and all the different channels that are out there i mean ultimately in a redesign process we want to think omni-channel anyway Um, oh yeah omni-channel is a huge i don't even want to call it a trend now because you know it's no longer a trend but it's something that if you want to stay, you know, in line with the competition, mm-hmm. then you have to be optimized for omni-channel marketing. Right. Well, it's omni-channel marketing and omni-channel experiences, yeah. right? And it's being able to, and it really does boil back down to that customer experience. The old days, and I have a couple of clients that still think like this, like I have a message, I want to send it, I want people to get it. Well, regardless of whether they're getting it or not, is it the message that they want to hear? Yeah. So really putting that customer, that user first, and you mentioned this earlier, putting that user first in the entire experience across all of the touch points of your brand is what's important. Targeting millennials on Facebook, not a great idea. They're not there. Yeah. <laughs> and if they are, they probably don't care about your brand, yeah. right? Um Probably. Probably. Um, but that's what the analytics and that's what your digital marketing team will help you understand and figure out because sometimes they are there and, and maybe that's a, a really nice avenue for you to go down. Probably not, but it, yeah. you know, it could be. <laughs> but so, yeah, to answer the long story short of your question is, yeah, digital marketing needs to be involved from the beginning and whether that's you know with an agency or in-house or whatever it is, but looking at it and you know, I'll go back to, I think I made this comment earlier about always monitoring your stuff. Yeah. So your website, mm-hmm. your marketing campaigns, all of your digital marketing touch points, those should always constantly be monitored. Where can you improve them? Where are you falling down? And again, what are your competitors doing? And can you take advantage of some of that? It's really kind of all part of the same story. Yeah. And it's all just like one big puzzle kind of of just mm-hmm. seeing how all the pieces are going to fit together. Right. And then using A-B testing to figure out that's if all the right. pieces are working. Go. Right. And, and constantly <laughs> optimizing. Right. And that's the other that's you make a great point of at the end. Yes. A-B testing continue to evaluate different options. Right. A versus B over time. But also because you've got your analytics going and you're seeing what's working, and what isn't, you should constantly be adjusting your site. You should constantly be making improvements where you see opportunities for improvement. Because once you, you know, if you launch a brand new website, hey, we did it, we redesigned it, and then you just let it sit there, it's, you know, just like back to the house, right? It's yeah. just going to start to wear down and degrade yeah. over time. You have, you have to keep it fresh, keep things updated, constant content updates, constant involvement from your marketing team, yeah. your development team, testing, checking, you know, it's a think of it as a living breathing thing that has to be maintained over time. Yeah, and that kind of just goes back to what you were talking about in the beginning when we were talking about how do you know when it's time and you're like, okay, well if it's been 5 years, then yeah, you should probably start to think about a redesign, but it's like you have like you said, you you have to be doing this on a consistent basis and you haven't updated something in two years. How do you know that just because it's been two years, that doesn't mean it's already outdated? You know, technology right. in this industry moves so quickly that it's extremely important yeah. to be consistently evaluating and reassessing everything. Yep. And five years is probably too long. Yeah. <laughs> frankly. <laughs> I mean, because you're absolutely right. I mean, it's if you are constantly monitoring and, you know, keeping your site fresh and content fresh, then, yeah, after five years, take a look and, and kind of take a step back and yeah. reassess and reevaluate. If you're not doing those things, it's two years, a year, two years, right? Like, because you're not maintaining it, it needs to be refreshed, if yeah. you will, back mm-hmm. to our, our re-conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the, the actual number of years, not as, a, not as relevant as the health and status of 
your marketing communications through yeah. your brand, through your mm-hmm. website, through your social touch points, through all of your omnichannel touch points. Yep. This is another hashtag, it depends <laughs> question. I promised the last one of the session, but are there a few important goals that companies should keep in mind for themselves, you know, while they're going through the process or while they're, you know, getting started for the process? The process of a website do, redesign. Of doing a redesign. Yeah. So yeah, I mean I think the the goals in general, I think we've covered some of them, but you know, you're going to have business goals and objectives. Yeah. Right. If you're going through a redesign effort, clearly something has shifted in your organization. Right. So it's you know, could be we have a rebranding effort. We have, you know, new products and opportunities that we want to showcase. We whatever. There's a hundred different yeah, reasons yeah. for that. But the goals and objectives at the end of the day are typically to sell more stuff, to get more leads, to get more conversions, all of those things. What I would say is that the number one goal of all of that goes back to our customer experience conversation. Putting that customer at the front of all of those decisions is what leads to success. Yeah. Not doing that, you could have the best goals in the world, but if no one's there to hear your message or, you know, interact with your brand or buy your stuff, then you failed already. Yeah, so, and then it's going to be, you know, going through all this for essentially nothing. Right. Yeah. Well, right, to make yourself feel better because you have a new, brand new yeah. shiny website. Yeah. Great, cool, <laughs> good for you. But if no one's there to buy your stuff, yeah, what would you do it for? Okay, so my very last question mm-hmm. of our session right now is, do you have any advice for those who are thinking about redesigning their websites, but they're just not really sure where to start or how to kind of like pull the trigger. Yeah. I mean, I think much like everything else in my life, Google is a great resource. (laughs) Number one, (laughs) I wouldn't be able to do half of the things I do today without Google. Thank thank you very much. Thanks, Um, Google. (laughs) I don't know how we used encyclopedias back in the day, but because Google's pretty phenomenal. Um, But no, there's a lot of different ways to, you know, and there's a a million sites out there that'll tell you when it's time to redesign, why you should, why you shouldn't, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, do your research. Um, but the, kind of the bigger advice I would give is, you know, go do that first, but then have a conversation with someone who's been down this path before. Because there's lots of little trip ups and things that you want to avoid along the way. And sometimes to our kind of redesign versus replatform versus rebuild, sometimes you don't need to redo everything, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's a, a few adjustments that you can make to some graphics, some content, to some of the flows and the paths through a system that will accomplish all of those goals and objectives that you were just asking about, right? If I have these certain goals and objectives and I can do a couple of small things for minimal cost, great. And then you're going to win. You don't always have to, you know, what is it? Throw the baby out with the bathwater yeah. just because you want a new <laughs> website, right? So there, there's lots of different ways. But I would say have that conversation with, you know, an agency. I don't know, like AmericanEagle.com or or any Subtle other, anyone else. plug. <laughs> just a small plug. Um, <laughs> but no, really, I mean, there's numerous organizations out there that have done this time and again. And all of them are happy to have a conversation you know, a 10, 15 minute conversation to help Mm -hmm. you get a, get your head around what you might need and what you might not. Yeah. And I like that advice too. And I think it's very helpful because it, like you said, it doesn't always have to be the big bang. Mm -hmm. You can just start with analyzing a few small things and seeing, you know, where that takes you. And Mm -hmm. I think then the entire process is a lot less daunting because it seems like it would be a big, you know, undertaking. Yeah. And that's, you know, to, to go back to that discovery part of the process that we were talking about. I mean, so the conversation with someone for 15 minutes is like the pre-discovery process, but then, you know, for a minimal investment, 
you know, you can get a team of experts to come in and really look at what's going on and get under the hood and figure out, you know, what needs to change, what can stay, what's working, what isn't. And that gives you a great path forward to decide, you know, both from a time and a budget perspective, is this something we really want to do? Mm -hmm. Is it worth it? What's the ROI at the end of it? Are we going to see that increase in leads, increase in revenue? Because if so, then yeah, maybe the investment's worth it. If it's not, then it's not. And you've only invested a small amount of money instead of giving. Going through the whole thing. Right. And, yeah. Here's hundreds of millions of dollars. Go do this for us. And then you, you know, you come out the other end and you don't know what you have. So yeah. have the conversation. Anyone is more than willing to have that conversation and, and help you understand what you need. Well, awesome. That was, you know, all the questions that I had for you today. Thank you so much for being here today with us, Mike. I hope this episode, you know, gave some of our listeners some insight into just the process of a website redesign and everything that they will need to know. And we appreciate you. So thank you. Yeah, Thanks, Taylor, for having me on. It's been fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Modern Marketing Messages. For more information about the topics discussed today, check out the description of this episode. If you like this episode, follow this podcast wherever you listen to them to stay up to date with us. While you're at it, give us a rating and share this podcast with others. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Modern Marketing Messages. This episode is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I'm Taylor Karg, and I'll be back with another Modern Marketing Message.